Thank you, Lance, for reading that. Uh, it's an interesting passage, maybe to start off with. Be like, okay, where are we going with this? But we are in the subject of mental illness, and that was uh, Solomon, King Solomon. He's writing in Ecclesiastes, and he says a lot of things in there that may make you start to wonder, did he suffer from some mental illness at times? When you start to say things like, I hate this life, it's all meaningless, why even live? Right? Those types of things. And so uh, I thought it would be appropriate to at least look at that. And, and uh, in life groups, you'll be, you'll be going through that a little bit this week as well, some of the passages out of Ecclesiastes. As we move into this next subject, I have to be honest with you guys. This is one of those subjects, when I saw the survey, I actually um, asked that they remove mental illness off of the survey. <laughs> and, and the reason why is I was like, okay, if people... If people select that, I don't really know how I'm going to approach it. And, uh, and it, was, it was accidentally, no, I'm just uh, I think it was accidentally, left on the survey. And, and as the survey went out, we started getting a lot of responses. And at least 50% of those of you who uh, gave back some, some input said you'd like to hear about mental illness. And then depression was also right there at, at 50%. And so it's like, all right, we need to talk about it. So it's, that's what this is about, right? Taboo. Talk about those things we wouldn't necessarily or normally talk about. So we're going to go into, uh, into mental illness today. And I'll tell you why I'm, I'm probably nervous to go into it. One is I want to make sure as we approach Scripture that we're approaching it in the right way. Like, I don't want to go, and I think I've used this before, I don't want to approach Scripture and use uh, verses like a proof text. Like, here's the topic, here's, here's the idea, and I'm just going to search and search and search in the Bible until I found one that fits what I want to say, and I'll pull it out of context and use it however I want to. I don't want to do that, because I think that's the way we abuse God's Word. So I really want to find what God's Word has to say about it. But then as you start to look into the subject on mental illness, you're like, well, there's not a lot that the Bible has to say. So what do you do? And, and, and that's, that's kind of where we're at. So that's one reason why I'm a little nervous to go into this subject. But the other is I'm, just, I'm not an expert when it comes to, to mental illness. Now, when people ask me, like, you know, how, how, do you, how are you going to do this week? Or how are you feeling about, you know, preparing for service? I'm usually, I kind of throw it out there jokingly, but I'm like, I feel like at the end I might be a little crazy. And, uh, and please don't be, you know, offended by using the word crazy in this context. But, but you know, I feel like that. Uh, which maybe makes me more of an expert by the end of the week, but but certainly I, I don't know a lot about you know how to how to approach this. So I know a lot of prayer and you know asking around and, and definitely getting a lot of input from from many of you guys. I really appreciate your guys' input as as we go through some of this. And what I've asked is that you just give some questions. And so uh, some of you have been shooting me some questions, or just when we're you know, with each other, you'll, you'll say, hey, this is what I'm wondering about. And so that's kind of how I'm going to approach this topic as we move forward. Basically, some questions that maybe you have regarding mental illness. Without a doubt, I'm not going to be able to cover all of them. It's a huge subject, okay? Um, but because I'm not an expert, one thing I want to throw out there is a bit of a disclaimer. If you are seeking or have already uh, been getting some professional help and maybe even received some form of, of medication out there, by all means, don't take this message and anything I say as like a way to say, all right, I'm going back to my doctor and I'm cutting it off or I'm just going to stop that or medication or anything like that. That's, that's my disclaimer to you, okay? I'm not a, a doctor that way. Uh, definitely talk to your professional um, counselor in that situation. 
All right, so we'll go ahead and move forward with uh, some of these thoughts and some of the questions that I think people have wrestled with as, as we look at this subject, mental illness. So these are some of the questions. I've got seven of them, so hopefully we can cruise through these because that's quite a few. Uh, what is mental illness? So we'll, we'll go over that. What causes mental illness? I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but, but definitely some of the, the major ones. Uh, can a Christian suffer? from mental illness. Okay, we'll go over that. Uh, how accountable are people for their behavior when they have symptoms for mental illness or of mental illness? Can Christians take medication for mental illness? Is there a relationship between mental illness and demon possession? Okay. And then the last one is, how should the church respond to mental illness? And I hope to get to that one so we can spend a little bit of time uh, going over that. So I'll try to Hit the other ones briefly, but also give you as, as much of an explanation as we can. Let's go ahead and pray as we jump into this. Father, we, we are asking for your guidance, your direction. Lead us with your Holy Spirit to approach this subject in a way that brings you honor and brings clarification to the question, what do we do with mental illness? And I pray, God, as we leave this place, that we'll be challenged to draw closer to you and understand who you are and your character and your love for us and how we are to treat and care for one another. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's go into this, this question. What is mental illness? I think it's important that we start here. Because, I, you know, if I were to survey all of you right now and ask the question, how would you define mental illness? My, my guess is we would probably all define it a little bit differently. So as I go forward and begin to talk about this, I want to make sure you understand at least where I'm coming from. So I go to, uh, it's kind of interesting, but uh, I found probably the best definition from the Australian government. So we're all going to be Australian today. Um, I thought that they did actually a really good job of, of defining it, or at least the way, at least they agreed with me. How about that? So uh, that, that's always nice. And that's the beautiful thing of the internet. You can always search and search and search until you find somebody to agree with you. But uh, examples of mental illness. Here you go. Uh, this is what they have to say. Mental illnesses are of different types and degrees of severity. Some of the major types are depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar mood disorder, personality disorders, trauma, and eating disorders. The most common mental illnesses are anxiety and depressive disorders, while everyone, this is the part I want you to get, while everyone experiences strong feeling of tension, anxiety, or sadness at times, and I'll go ahead and bring this up for you, a mental illness okay, is present when these feelings become so disturbing and overwhelming that people have great difficulty coping with day-to-day activities such as work, enjoying leisure time, and maintaining relationships. So you got that? All of us may at times feel some depression or anxiety or you know, those feelings, but what I'm going to be talking about are those, is when those overwhelm us so much or overtake us so much that it causes you to be uh, having difficulty with your day-to-day activities, work, leisure time, and those, those types of things. So you're shut in your house or you just feel like you don't have the motivation. Or, you, know, I, I agree, I, you know, I admit, at times I don't feel like I have a lot of motivation, but I, you know, I can get out of the house and do the things I need to do. This is when you just, you just simply can't. And so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Uh, it goes on to say, at their most extreme, people with a depressive disorder may not be able to get out of bed or care for themselves physically. 
Uh, people with certain types of anxiety disorder may not be able to leave the house or may have compulsive rituals to help them alleviate their fears. Uh, less common are mental illnesses that may involve psychosis. These include schizophrenia and bipolar mood disorder. People experience you know, an acute episode of psychosis, lose touch with reality, and perceive their world differently from what is considered normal. And their ability to make sense of thoughts, feelings, and the world around them is seriously affected. So you get kind of a different degree, too. I mean, there are those that just can't get out of their house, but then there's those that almost enter into a whole different world. Okay? So those are some of the things that, that I want you to keep in mind and, 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 uh, as we move forward. I'm not just talking about the feelings, but really those that become, uh, get it to a point in life where they're just, you know, uh, can't cope with, with certain daily activities. So, what causes mental illness? We define it a little bit. Hopefully, we're all on the same page there. What causes mental illness? I want to go through these. And again, they're not exhaustive. It's not an exhaustive list. But I think these are some of the main ones, and, and maybe uh, you'll know of, of several others. First of all, uh, in the context of Scripture, in the context of God being our creator, we have to realize and understand that the reason there's mental illness in our world today is because we're in a fallen, broken world. Okay? It all goes back to that. It's not because the person necessarily did something that caused that mental illness. It's just the simple fact that we're in a fallen, broken world. Before the fall, there wouldn't have been mental illness. Once sin comes into the world, uh, sin and all that sin brings with it comes into the world. So Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. In Romans 5, you can look at that passage some more, but it talks about that. And the context there is just like Adam sinned and brought sin into the world, and we have the effects of sin in the world, so Christ, when he died on the cross, he brought righteousness into the world. And he brought righteousness to us. And we can now be righteous. But here, I want to focus on the fact that, that we're in a fallen world. And so, uh, it could be, it could very well be that some people are born with mental illness, or disabled mentally. Okay, So that is, that is a fact. Um, I think we can uh, look at some people and realize that some people struggle with anxiety more than others. You know, I have, I have five kids. I guess six is what I hear, what I understand. So another one on the way. Uh, each one of them has, has, has different personality, right? So we understand that, and we see that in each one of them, they struggle with different things. And, and you know, that, that, that comes from maybe that family line and how they're born. So that's, that's the result of a fallen world. That's what I'm trying to say there. Okay. And then the second one is it could be in relation to a, a sin, a direct result of a sin. So at times there's guilt and anxiety that overwhelms us because we did sin, and we don't know how to deal with that guilt and that anxiety. And then that could snowball into you know, more depression and more discouragement. Um, I didn't put that on there, but, but bitterness is another one that I see that often affects people in, in a great way. If they haven't released, if they haven't forgiven somebody, and, and they just start to get bitter and, and angry, and it overwhelms them to a point where they uh, feel like they can't go on, they're depressed. And so guilt, anxiety, bitterness, those are things that, that we deal with. Uh, in the Bible, you have a story of a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. 
And Nebuchadnezzar was proud, and he was arrogant, and God deals with him. And, and this one is one that God brought on. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to humble you by basically making you crazy, making you like an animal. I'm going to throw you into the field, and you're going to live like an animal. And by all means, if you were to see him, you'd be, yep, there's, there's some kind of mental illness going on there in Nebuchadnezzar's life. So that was the direct result of a sin, and that was a direct result of judgment of God. So sometimes it's maybe a judgment, or sometimes it's guilt and anxiety. We just haven't dealt with it. We haven't taken it to Christ. Or maybe we need to go and apologize to somebody else, and we haven't done that. We haven't gone through those motions, and, and that's really refreshing and relieving. And if you're one who struggles with bitterness, you need to resolve that too. Because many people have, have suffered great uh, emotional and somewhat seems like physical pain because of bitterness that they hang on to and don't let go and forgive others. So it could be direct result of sin. Hey, another one. Uh, it could be environment. You know, how did people grow up? If you grew up in a situation where you were physically abused or mentally abused or you know people who were, uh, that would have affected you. Emotionally abused, you know, all those types of things. You're going to grow up in a way it's going to, it's going to have an impact on you. Okay, so environment, uh, there, there's plenty of others, you know, I mean, depending on where you grew up, or, you know, what country, what was supplied for you, did you have food, all those types of things are, are going to, you know, maybe give you some fear, anxiety, that types of stuff. So environment does have an impact on people. Trauma, uh, depending on what you've gone through, maybe you lost uh, your parents growing up, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you've lost a child or something like that, it's going to have trauma in your life. Um, those who go, uh, you know, over, overseas and, and fight in a war will often come back with some sort of mental illness. There'll be trauma going on in their life. And so uh, those things can certainly lead to, to mental illness. And then um, substance abuse, drugs, alcohol. Uh, those things will, will weigh on us, and, and the more we use them, it can cause more mental illness, and, so, and that mental illness can last for, for years as it destroys part of our, our mind. So those are things, uh, like I say, probably not in, in, an exhaustive list, but certainly hit some of the major ones as you look at what causes mental illness. So let's look at this question. Can a Christian then suffer from mental illness? Okay. That's a question I think a lot will have, like, okay, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our lives, and if we have the joy of the Lord in our lives, then how can we ever be depressed? But yet it seems like even those who have had their faith in Christ for, for many years still struggle at times. And it could be that some of us, you know, do give in to that. So just speaking from my point of view, I, I definitely can struggle with being overwhelmed. And I get a lot of things that pile on, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do much because it seems like there's such a mountain to climb. It's going to take so much to climb it, and maybe I'll just go and hide away for a little while. Now, by God's grace, he had me marry a woman who is totally opposite. And she's just like, go, go, go all the time. And I'm like, how do you keep up? I'm like, hey, my tongue's hanging out. You know, she's just going and going and going. And it, it helps motivate me and keep me going. And realize, oh yeah, if you just chip it away. She's really good at like, I'll just keep, you know, chip away a little bit, chip away a little bit, chip away a little bit. And that helps me because I see that lived out in front of me. So I can definitely, as a, as a follower of Christ, I can get to a point where I just become anxious, overwhelmed, and it can become debilitating. 
Or I can recognize it when it starts to come on and say, you know what, I've got to go back to what I know and with discipline chip away at things and get it done. So yeah, I think a Christian can suffer from mental illness. Now that's speaking from you know, personal experience. How about Scripture? What does it have to say? Well, it doesn't say whether or not. It doesn't answer this question directly. So we go to some stories. Uh, you can go to Elijah. Elijah was a guy who, who did some incredible things for the Lord. And here he, he goes up to Mount Carmel and he sacrifices a burnt offering there. Calls fire down from heaven. Comes down, destroys it right there for all these people. He proves that God is, is awesome. And then he, he starts to, to run and he finds out that Jezebel is angry at him and wants to kill him. And so he runs further away and he gets to a point, he calls back to God. And he says, why God? Why did all this happen? Why don't you just kill me? It'd be better for me to die. And you look at that situation like, man, you just had like this, literally a mountaintop experience. And now you're running from God and you want to die. I, I think you probably struggle with, you know, that depression. <laughs> or how about this one? Uh, Jonah 4. Uh, this is, you know, Jonah, incredible story. Again, if you're familiar with it, you know that Jonah, he was called to go and, and, and he was called to, to t- go to a town called Nineveh and tell the people there to repent. And if they repent, they would be able to follow God and, and God would not destroy them. But Jonah didn't want to go there. Jonah's like, man, I'm going to go the opposite direction. So, so he tries to flee and that's where the well comes and, and like eats Jonah. But he stays alive inside of the well, or the, not the well, excuse me, the great fish. Great fish, God appointed a fish to come and swallow him. And then the great fish throws Jonah up on the, on the beach, and Jonah has to walk all the way to Nineveh, gives this, this testimony, gives this, this message of repentance. God has called me to, to have you repent, and the people repent. And in the Scripture, it's like the biggest revival recorded in Scripture, or one of the biggest ones. And then you get this response. Jonah goes outside, and it says he was greatly displeased and became furious. I mean, imagine if we could just go in to Nampa and say, hey, everybody, give your life to Christ, trust in him as your Lord and Savior, and people repented and turned their lives over to Christ. 100,000 people. And then we walk up to the top of you know hill, and we look out and go, that was crazy. Why, why did you do that, God? That's what he does here. He says, that greatly displeased, he became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country. That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending calamity. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Like he wants to give up. He's like, God, I don't, I don't like what you did, God. I want to give up. So maybe he fits that mental illness category here. And this is, this is directly, by the way, um, directly uh, connected to his sin. He had a bitter heart, a hard heart, an angry heart. And so, like I, get, like I say, sometimes it goes back to a, a sin issue in our lives. Not always, but, but sometimes. And certainly here, that's what we see. Okay. So can Christians suffer with it? Yeah, I think uh, believers in a, in a, in a Holy, good God can suffer from mental illness. Now, the question then comes, how accountable are people for their behavior when they have symptoms of mental illness? Okay? How accountable are we? Well, let's just kind of get uh, 
go back to maybe the root of, of the issue when it comes to accountability and sin and everything. Romans 3 talks about this. It says, What then? Are we any better off? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are. We're all under sin. He goes on, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So everybody, we know from that verse, is born in sin and is a sinner. He continued to look on, for God then presented him, Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. That goes back to the Old Testament and the sins that, that they had done, and God passed over those sins, and today he's passing over our sins because of what Christ has done. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so that we would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. So the only way to de- be declared righteous is through Christ. Okay? That's what that whole chapter there is arguing for in Romans 3. We're all sinners, and we're all declared righteous through Christ. Uh, another passage in Hebrews says, and just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this, judgment. Every person is held accountable for sin. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous at that time of judgment. If you, are, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not declared righteous. Okay, so that's, that's what salvation is. So you come back to that question, well, what about those who are, you know, have, have this, this mental illness? Ultimately, and we talked about this last week, what about a person who's not capable, just mentally cannot comprehend the gospel. And that's where you go back to, we trust that God is good. God knows the heart. God knows who that person is. He knows whether or not he or she is capable of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that person stands before God. And God is a right and good judge and will judge according to what he says is right and good. Okay? A person who has the capability, but maybe struggles with it, is, is accountable for that sin. Just like any of us are accountable for any of our sins. If a person goes out and gets drunk and does something foolish, they're still accountable for it. They can't blame it on, on the alcohol, right? Now, I know in that case, that situation, they're making a choice. I realize that. You may say, well, they're not really making a choice. But sometimes we, we choose to stay in our sin. If it's caused by sin, we choose to stay in it, and that causes us to make poor choices, There's a whole lot. You see why this is a complex issue? There's a whole lot of things going on here when it comes to mental illness and how we think and process and everything. But ultimately, overall, we are all accountable before God. The good news, and this is the part you don't want to miss, right? The good news is Christ forgives every single person who calls upon his name. So even if you look back in your life and say, man, I have done something so bad, so wrong, and I, and I can blame it on mental illness, I can blame it on I just wasn't in my right mind or anything like that, I get it, I understand that, but you can still come to Christ and he still forgives you. Hear that and hear that well. And, and if you're out there proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, make sure you're proclaiming that. There is nothing that God cannot forgive. And he will forgive that. So, everyone stands before the Lord and is judged, Okay. Next question. Can Christians then take medication 
for mental illness. Say you've been struggling, you've been going along, it seems like nothing is helping. Uh, you've gone to a counselor, the counselor's recommended, and I don't know how the whole process works here, but the counselor's recommended maybe you see somebody who can prescribe to you a medication, and so you go ahead and you begin to take it. And then some will start to feel guilty for that because they're like a Christian, and I read the Bible, I'm supposed to rejoice all the time. And, and these are real questions that people have. So can Christians take medication for mental illness? And so the argument will typically go back, well, we take medications for other things, so why not take medication for mental illness if there's help out there, right? And I would say, again, you go to that professional, and this is where I feel like it's a little out of, you know, out of, out of my comfort zone to be able to talk, because I don't want to tell you guys, hey, don't take it or do take it. I think that's something you have to go and talk to that professional about. The one thing I, I would have to say in all of this is be cautious, like any other medication. Okay? And I'll, this is me talking. I don't have a scripture for this. This is me just giving my personal opinion. So if this is wrong, then I don't know. God may deal with me this week. But this is my personal opinion. We are without a doubt in a world, in a society that is, uh, has within it corporations that make good money off of our health. Right, uh, and, and I'm not trying to badmouth the the health, you know, uh, health. I call it a business, but health. Uh, what am I thinking of? Help me with that industry. There you go. Call it industry. Still makes it sound like a business, but uh, the health industry. I'm not trying to badmouth it, but within that, and you know, your hospitals are nonprofit and so forth. But there are profit industries, companies there, like the pharmaceutical companies that really want us to take medication, right? And so, hey, if you're one that could take medication, let's, let's give it to you. So we have to be cautious. I think we have to be careful. I'm not saying it's wrong, but be careful. Be cautious out there. So can they take it? Well, here's, here's a passage. Uh, maybe you've heard of it before, 1 Timothy 5.23. This is talking about a physical illness, but uh, don't continue drinking only water. This is Paul writing to Timothy, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Okay, so that was your first Pepto-Bismol at the time, I guess. But uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of wine, you know, to help your, your stomach out a little bit. And, and so he, he gives them some advice there. And if we've got something that can help, again, with caution, we use it. It's something that maybe we've been given. Uh, but use it carefully. And use it under the advice of those who are, are giving you that counsel. Uh, and those who are qualified to give you that counsel. Uh, two more questions. So I know we're kind of cruising through these. Hopefully it's making some sense. And hopefully you're getting something out of it or it's at least challenging to think on some of these areas. Is there a relationship between mental illness and demon possession? Uh, now this is an area where I can go into a little bit of experience. I can't say that I'm an expert because I've only had one opportunity like this. But I have uh, had the opportunity to talk to somebody who's demon possessed. You might say, what are you talking about? Maybe you, how do you know he's demon possessed? And so, one, when I was there, trust me, as I was driving, because I heard about this, got a phone call, hey, can you go, there's somebody who's demon-possessed, can you talk to him? I'm like, whatever. You know, my first thought was like, oh, I don't think so. So I'm driving the car, but then it starts to sink in, like, no, this is, this is real stuff, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe this is going to happen. Then all these visions started popping in my head. Like, I know in the Bible there's like demon possession. They start beating people up and I start getting scared. And so I'm thinking, what's going to happen? So I show up and sure enough, there's a guy that's demon possessed. 
And you could tell because he'd be fine, he'd be talking to you, and all of a sudden just, oh, he'd be overcome, his face would do like all this weird contortion stuff, and he'd start talking in this deep, low voice, and, and I'm like, this is interesting. So it, what was amazing in that whole situation, and people ask, were you scared? And I'm like, actually, I wasn't. I don't know why, other than maybe the Holy Spirit, or I like, trust the Holy Spirit was like, no, you, you're going to deal with this. So anyhow, make a long story short, in the whole conversation, was talking to him, the point I want to make is there with us was uh, somebody who was an EMT, been an EMT for 20 years, and I just wanted to make sure, I'm like, have you ever seen something like this? Is this some sort of mental illness going on? And, and she just looked at me and says, I've never seen anything like this before. Okay? And it definitely cemented in my mind what I already felt like or what I already seemed like, okay, this is real. This is some real, um, some real uh, conversation I was having with a demon. And it, anyhow, that's for a different, different time, a different story, because that'll take like a whole other half an hour to tell that whole story. But in the process, the person did accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and at that point, they were released from the demon. It was a really cool, cool thing to, to be part of. Now, if you're not a believer, if you don't know who God is, and you don't believe in demons, when you see a situation like that, you're going to say, that's an extreme case of mental illness. That's about the only way to explain it, right? If you take God out of the picture. When we see things like that, I think we, we ask the question, could the person be demon-possessed? And sure, the person could be demon-possessed. But it doesn't mean that every person who has some sort of mental illness is demon-possessed. Okay? There is a separation. There's a difference. The world will see demon possession, or unbelievers will see demon possession as, I think, mental illness. So, from the world's point of view, they would just say, well, there is no demon possession. From our point of view, we look at it and say, there could be mental illness or it could be demon possession, and we probably need to do a little bit of searching and research to figure out what's, what's really going on in that person's life. Um, so, yeah, they could be, could be related, or, or maybe, maybe they're not. And uh, that's not really a very good answer if you like, want a definite answer, but I think it's, it's the real answer in that situation. Um, by the way, I'll, I'll go back to that one. In life groups this week, you'll be looking at Mark chapter 5, and you'll be dealing with that question more. So if you're like, I have more questions about that, then uh, the cool thing is you can talk to your life group leader about it. So uh, I'm glad this week, I think Anthony's covering this, right, Anthony? So, sweet. Uh, in our life group, anyhow. So, um, how should, now this one, I want to get to this one. How should the church respond to mental illness? Okay, and I want to uh, spend a little bit more time on this, because I think this is really the part where, where you and I can come together and be like, okay, there's some things in here that we're probably going to differ on a little bit. When we come to this, hopefully we all agree. These are ways that we can handle this. And so it could be, one of the things is that, that maybe you yourself are struggling with mental illness and you're like, man, I want to go to the church for help, but I don't know how. I struggle with it because I'm afraid that if I go and talk to somebody, they're going to think that I've got all these really serious problems and I'm, I'm ashamed of them. And, and so you just don't feel free to talk about it. And I, I hope at Involved Church you don't feel that way. I understand that that's, that, that may be what's, what you feel from growing up or something like that, but... But I hope you know that, that we do care, we do love you, and, and these, these types of scriptures mean something to us. Second Thessalonians two thirteen and 15, it says, But we ought to thank God always for you. Okay, this is Paul talking, and he says, For you guys in Thessalonica, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation. 
through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. If God has called you to be his child, and this, this is really talking about the church, and I understand there's those who are not in the church and we're reaching out to you. If God's laid that on your heart to reach out to the person, you care for them, you love them. And that can be difficult. I have to admit, when you've got somebody that, that doesn't want to get out of the house, you've got somebody who's really struggling with depression or, or anxiety, or if they go into bipolar and you're like, I, don't, I call them up, I don't know who I'm going to be talking to that day. You know, it's up and down, all over the place. And it gets, it gets hard. We have to push through and love them. And we have to be patient. And maybe you're one, you're like, yeah, that's the way I feel at times, and I don't know how to deal with it. And so I hope the church is coming around you and, and patiently loving you and caring for you. That's what we're called to do, love each other, be there for each other, because God has chosen each of us. And God has chosen the people that we're talking to. And we need to go, and we need to love, we need to care for them. He called you to this through our gospel, so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. So Paul brings them back to the, to the very basics and says, we are all called to be children, we're all called to these traditions of, if we are his children, we, we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he becomes our Lord, he becomes our master, and we want to follow him, and we need to encourage each other to do that. So if someone is discouraged, we need to come alongside them. Someone is depressed, we need to come alongside them and encourage them and remind them that their joy is found in the Lord. And pray with them and help them however we can. So how to help or how to get help. I don't know, like I say, which category you might put yourself in. But how would you help somebody who's, who's struggling with, with any type of mental illness? Or you yourself, if you have a mental illness, how do you get help? And so I just have four points I want to go through here that I trust you'll find helpful. First is genuine prayer and Bible study. You might say, you might say uh, why'd you put the word genuine on there? And, uh, and really the, the purpose, the reason for putting the word genuine is because sometimes I think as Christians we just say, hey, read your Bible and pray. Are you struggling? Just read your Bible and pray. Um, that's, that's good advice, but it needs to be in a way where you're growing. Like, not just, oh, I read for, you know, I read a verse. I, I went through and did my minute or two reading scripture, and then as I went out the door, I said, Lord, please help me today. And that, that's your reading and praying. Okay? That doesn't really dig down into our, our heart and our soul, you know? It's just like if I were to say, tell you, yeah, I, I'm married, I, I sleep in the same bed, and we, we're in the same house together. We never talk to each other, but, you know, we're married. We're like, that's not really a marriage, is it? It's not a relationship. And so we need to make sure we're developing that relationship with God. That's why it needs to be a genuine prayer and Bible study, not just a band-aid we throw on and we think, oh, if I do this, it's going to be a quick fix. It needs to be real, genuine prayer and Bible study that's causing growth in us where we're thriving in our relationship with Him. So that's, that's important, I think. And then, secondly, uh, be active in a life group community. So this is, this is not just a plug for our life group, but I think this is, this is real, this is sincere. So we have, uh, I've been told a couple times from different people that they were going to, to counseling, and I'm not, this is not a guarantee. 
won't be like, oh, this is what will happen if I go to a life group. But, but just some, some testimony um, of someone who had been going to, to counseling, and they got to a point where they're like, man, I've, I've been growing in my faith with Christ, and I've been active in a life group community, and I'm being discipled, and I'm growing, and I realize that that's been more meaningful than the counseling. And it should be. If we're discipling one another, by the way, discipleship is kind of like counseling in a lot of ways. Um, we, we're there for each other. We're there to care for each other. And Now, and I'll get to it. There's a need for professional counselors, so don't say I'm telling you we don't, we don't have that. But if we're active in our life group, I think we're building that relationship. And we're encouraging one another. We're praying for each other. So uh, that's, that's one way to do it. Uh, meet with an accountability or discipleship partner. Okay, so that's the next step. So like life group is more of a small group, 12 people or so. Uh, meet with accountability discipleship partners when you're, you know, one or two or three or something like that. And you're able to really start to dig in and check up on each other. Hey, how's your relationship with your spouse, your husband and wife? How's your, how's your um, job going? How's your relationship with your kids? Or, you know, all those, those main areas in your life. And then you're asking those questions and you're encouraging, you're account- account- holding each other accountable. How's your relationship with the Lord? Are you faithful to your, your prayer and your Bible study? And are you thriving? Are you growing in your relationship with God? We have people that will hopefully hold us accountable to that. And they uh, say, okay, I, I'm doing all three of those. I'm still really struggling. Absolutely. Seek help from a professional counselor. And don't be ashamed of that. I think sometimes we're like, oh, as a Christian, I'm supposed to have the joy of the Lord in my life all the time. I'm never supposed to be down. But, but seek help from a professional counselor. If you get to that point, you're like, I don't know what else to do. So those are, are things we can do. Sometimes what you, you see in people's lives is they'll jump to the professional counseling and they kind of leave the church out of it. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but, but hopefully you find in your church, in your church body, a family who, even though you may feel ashamed for whatever you're struggling with, you still find help and love and care from them. And so uh, I think the church really is God's tool to encourage and disciple each other. I had a, a counselor tell me recently that he, he felt like if, if marriages, if people in the marriages were discipled more to be Christ-like, he'd probably have less people to counsel. And, and I think that's true. If we become more Christ-like, if we're discipled and, and we're more like Christ, we probably have less issues in the other relationships we have in our lives. And so hopefully we, we get that help from, from the church and we get the help from each other. So those are, are some of my thoughts when it comes to this, this issue with mental illness. And I hope what you hear loud and clear is uh, God loves you. If you're one who struggles with mental illness, God loves you. He has the church there. He's, he's called the church to come around outside you and help you with that. Uh, if you're one, you're like, you know, I don't really struggle with a mental illness. I don't even struggle with some of those thoughts like anxiety or, or depression or anything like that. Then, then God definitely wants you to help people along in an encouraging way. Because we're there to, to help each other, encourage each other, and build each other up in those situations. Um, 
So again, if you have if you have thoughts, questions about this, feel free. You can talk to me uh, afterwards. Uh, maybe you have some some passages. I love the feedback. You guys have been giving me a lot of good feedback throughout the week. Some of you have been shooting me other verses, like, "Hey, you know, I love how this ties in, maybe with what you had to say this morning." And uh, I love that kind of stuff. So it, it's always encouraging to know there's there's some thinking going on out there. You guys are just going like this. Uh, what's for lunch? What's for lunch? Yeah. Um, So it's good to know that that God is challenging, and I really appreciate you guys' feedback. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time that we can can approach this subject. And uh, Lord, we ultimately just want to be found faithful to love each other, care for each other through something like this where we may have uh, people who are struggling right here in our own midst with mental illness. Maybe we ourselves are struggling. Maybe uh, we know a family member, a loved one, someone in our life group is struggling. May we be encouraged, God, to come around them, build them up, and help point them back to you. Lord, we we do know there's joy in you. Um, And we do know that you help and you guide us through this life. Sometimes we make poor choices and we pay the price. Sometimes we hang on to bitterness. Sometimes we feel the guilt and we haven't come and repented. Lord, help us to know what the root of what we're feeling, what we're struggling with. Help us to know what it comes from so we know how to deal with it. And Lord, may we not be ashamed to ask for help. So we turn to you. Right now we ask for help in our own lives. God, use us to encourage one another, build each other up. All for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are also this morning uh, taking communion, and um, that is a time for us to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us upon the cross. Uh, our, our lives are made new. And like I say, if, if you go back and you look at passages and just some of the things that we talked about this morning, if you're struggling with sin and you've never come before the Lord and you've never asked for forgiveness and you've said, man, I know what Jesus has done upon the cross, but I've never really resolved it. I've never really dealt with it. Then, then please do that today. There's no reason for you not to. Come to Christ and be like, There's, I have this baggage. I'll, I'll talk to people quite often and be like, I've got too much baggage. There's no way God would forgive me of this. That is an absolute lie that Satan is putting in your heart and your mind. It doesn't matter how much baggage. You could have Santa Claus' bag on your back, okay? And God will forgive it. So we come to him and we lay it out at his feet and we say, here it is. I'm a messed up person. I need your forgiveness. And Jesus is like, man, finally. Why did it take you so long to come? Because I'm offering you my forgiveness. Maybe you're holding on to something and you're bitter and you're angry about what somebody's done to you. Or just come and, and say, Lord, as you've forgiven me, I'll forgive them. And have a weight lifted off of you. Those are the things that God offers. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth. And he lived, he suffered, he bled, he died upon that cross because someone needed to pay the price for our sins. And that someone became Jesus Christ. And as he gave himself for us, his body was there, human sacrifice hung upon that cross and took our place. And then his blood was poured out. As his blood poured out, his life ran out of him and he died. He did not just fall asleep on the cross, he died. He was buried. And then three days later, he rose 
And when he rose, he came back and he said to us, if you place your faith in me, your sins will be forgiven. Your sins will be placed on that tree, that cross, just like I died. You will die with me. But the cool thing is, as I've come to life, you will come to life and I'll give you this new life. And so that's the great hope. Like, it just, it's just not that our sins are forgiven. It's that we have this new life now in Christ. Brand new life. And we're to live in that life. When we still struggle, well, we can always go back to it and say, God, I know you're faithful to forgive me. I know you forgive me because of what Jesus Christ has done. And he's demonstrated his love for me by dying upon that cross. So that's what we want to remember as we take communion. We are going to pass the elements. We have bread and we have juice. And as we pass these elements out, you're going to take the bread and just hold on to it. Um, if you don't have, if you're like, I haven't really placed my faith in Jesus Christ, then I just encourage you to let it, let it pass by you. These are for those who have actually placed their faith in Christ. If you've placed your faith in Christ, then take it. And then the couple pass by and hold on to that, and then we'll take it together in remembrance of what Christ has done for us. And we need to remember, because we're forgetful people. We start to think that somehow we ourselves are awesome or great or something like that. No, we are people in need of a Savior. And that's why we take communion once a month to remind us of that. So I'll have uh, the elders come up, and they'll hand, pass, uh, help pass out the, the communion. Um, and we'll be able to worship and sing. Maybe it's a time for you to pray at this time. You can do that between you and the Lord. Uh, but make sure we keep our eyes fixed on Him for what He's done for us.